This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome back to the garage. Welcome back to the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined, as always, by my bosom buddy, hacking up along here in the garage, Asbestos Warning, Bobby Castro. It was one little cough, so off mic, could have easily <laughs> been missed by everybody. And yet, it will never be. History will remember the introduction of this particular episode of the show as the Bob Coughing episode. <laughs> Fans will think it's adorable. Uh, there'll be conspiracy theories about what caused the cough, but... Don't worry, everybody. I'm going to be okay. You're not, though. This is this is the Bob lung cancer episode. Bob, Ooh. take us through. Yikes. The, too soon. Too soon. Bob, healthy as a bull. Um, this is the Throwback Podcast, and uh, today's episode is about a band I know near and dear to your heart, Bob, Green Day. Yes. Is that how people pronounce it? How do you hit it? Yeah, you have to have Green really, Day? Green Day. Green Day. Green Day. Green Day. Yeah, that's yeah. Green Day. Yeah, Green Day. I mean, out of nowhere, probably like one of the most popular bands we've ever done on the podcast. One of the most popular bands of the last two decades, three decades. Definitely the first band that has a show on Broadway. Definitely. Or did at some point. Yeah. Of course. And I would have never seen that coming in 1994 when I was a young Green Day fan. That's and you know what else? They would have insane. never seen it coming either. How could they have? They were little stoners singing about masturbating, and then they went on to be, like, icons. Right. I mean, they get, maybe because, and we'll get to it, it's a big masturbation album. Maybe the biggest <laughs> masturbation album we've had on the show as well. Because, because, so they, because they're all so hot, you just look at pictures of them and start... No, like, I feel like the whole oh. album is like anchored around just being bored and and uh, jerking off. No, that was their whole thing. Like in the two albums that came out before <laughs> this, they're just like, I'm bored. I'm going to get high. I'm going to masturbate. And then I'm going to like long for girls. And that's yeah. it. I like Green Day. I really I think they've had a really great career and um, a longer career than I guess I imagined they would have. I know they maybe haven't had a hit in a while now, but they still like they're an arena touring act. And that's 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 noble. And like you said, Broadway show, you can never take that away from them. Like they're a band that had a Broadway show, a and, successful one. And Bob, they're also Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. OK, and that's important because we care about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Actually, I don't know if they are, but I think they might be. I mean, if they're not, they will be, which, again, would have never thought that <laughs> as a 14 year old listening to these these Berkeley stoners singing about masturbation. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Green Day today. We're very excited. Um, and Bob, uh of course, I, well, you know it from the details of the um, social media tweets and your whatever your listening client are you is. A, are you a robot? The <laughs> <Yeah>. social media <laughs> tweets. I work for the NFL. I'm a corporate monster. Uh, Dookie is the album, Bob. And I remember this album as a big time 1994 album. Does my memory serve me correctly? Right on the money. Dan. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to press your luck? See if you can say the month. The month. It was early 94. Uh, I'm going to say, hell, I'm going to say January of 94. Ooh, I thought you were going to have it. So close. February 1st. Oh, fuck you, Bob. I can't give it to you. Go fuck yourself. I can't give it to you. What do you want you from me? you got to give it to me. I'm not giving it. It's the give wrong it month. It was shipped to stores in <laughs> January, put on the shelves officially February 1st. Right. It was on. It was in the Tower Records. The last day of January, they were getting it all lined up. And then that morning on February 1st, we got to go buy a doogie. <laughs> it was on the loading docks. Not going to give it January to you. January 28th. Can't give it 1894. to you. 1894. All right, Bob, what was happening on February 1st of 1994, the year of our Lord? <laughs> well, I would say the most important thing that happened is where in the world is Carmen Sandiego debuted? Ah, uh, really? I thought yeah. it was before that. It says where? Oh wait, where on earth is Carmen Sandiego? Oh, so it's a spinoff. <laughs> I knew you were for wrong. Fox TV. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. All right, bad. I actually um, have bad memories of that show. It was a PBS uh, hit uh, in the early '90s, and I remember the social studies class that we had. If you got 
there was a test, and if you got a good enough grade, you got to sit in the audience and and see a taping of Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. It was a big deal. I think we were in seventh grade. And uh, yeah, the global studies, we all, the whole grade took the test. Right. And the three highest scores got to be on the show. Right. Now, this is why I'm pissed off, and it does stick with me to this day. Uh, I'll remember it also to this day that uh, anyone that got 38 out of 50 and above got to go. How do you remember that? That's insane. Because it does bother me. I got 38 out of 50. Wow. Uh, But some girl that was a huge fan of the show that shit the literally shit her panties on the test and got like a 30 <laughs> cried to a teacher and the teacher because she admired the student and knew how much it meant to her took this girl that shit her panties over me who actually uh, got the grade that should have had a spot on the show wow. not in the show but in the audience right wow why you though like because somebody else had to have gotten a 38 like do you think it's a personal thing like nobody wanted you there no, I don't. <laughs> there was a bus ride to the city involved. Like, do you ever think maybe your classmates all voted? Like, we all had a big secret meeting to be like. No, I was firmly on the B list. So well, I did. I w- wait, this is middle I, school. There I was, wouldn't the even lists, be on the radar for anything. <laughs> the lists were way different in middle school. Um, well, I never knew that. Well, you know, you got fucked. Anyway, and, what else is going on? Now I'm upset about it. What else is going well, on in just, February 94? I just got to say I was there. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, all right. Uh, the scream, you know that painting of the guy uh, screaming. Was that painted in 1994? Painted in 1994. <laughs> uh, no, it was stolen from Skeet Oslo. Ulrich painted the scream painting. <laughs> Good reference. Fun fact. Good ref. Um, it was stolen. It was stolen. Yeah, that was like a big deal for years. I think like it was gone. Then it turned back up. Oh, good. They got it back. Good. All right. Big art fan, Dan Hansis. Moving on. <laughs> a couple of births that month. So you know, just in case you don't feel old. Uh, Harry Styles and Dakota Fanning were both born that month. Nice. Yeah. Big Styles fan. You are. I do like Styles. I thought his um, solo album put out this year was like hilarious uh, in in the sense that uh, he was trying to be like a mature rocker. Like he put out the type of album that like Noel Gallagher puts out now. (laughs) And it's like, Harry, put out a song about like banging chicks and being like a young pop star. And he's like putting out these ballads about how the world needs to be saved with love. And it's like, oh, calm down, buddy. I think it's weird you say hilarious like Mark Wahlberg. Hilarious. No, no, no. You like you hit the hilar- hilar- hilarious. Hilarious? Is that I, how I should I say it? I don't know. The way you said it just didn't. How do you say, say it? I say it the right way. Well, how do you say it? Funny. How do you say it? Funny. That's it. You know, nothing's hilarious. You don't say hilarious? No, no, no. It's got to be. Nothing's hilarious. Okay. We're not there yet, Dan. Okay, Bob. What Except, else? Except, you know what was? What? This was, thanks for going with that bit for me. Uh, You know, it was hilarious. This movie in 1994. He's lying. Shut up! (laughs) Let's just see who's lying, shall we? Would a real woman have to wear one of these? Ah. Ah. All right, a little uh, transphobic comedy. From 1994, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. I remember seeing that in the theater, and that is, of any comedy in the last 25 years, any movie in the last 25 years that is aged, there's no movie that's aged more poorly than the final act of Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, where the twist at the end of the movie is that the murderer uh, is a transgender woman who... Um, once it's revealed that she has a penis, everyone uh, at this dock where the final scene goes down vomits, Vomits. violently gets violently ill at the thought, just the mere thought or the sight, I should say, of of a man who is posing as a woman secretly. I think it's time for the shot for shot remake 2017. (laughs) How would that go over on Twitter? What would happen? I guess I... (laughs) I don't think it would go over very well. I don't think anybody even remembers it. But right. if you rewatch it, it is stunning um, how different things are. Anyway, so that's it, Bob. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, listen. What more do you want? Jean-Claude Van Damme got married that month. Was that you want to hear that? I'll give I have no idea what's going on in his life, but I'll give you every penny I have <laughs> if he's still married to that woman. There's no way. <laughs> I think that was probably the uh, the wife that he cheated on in that Street Fighter oral history. <laughs> oh, yeah. With uh, uh, Kylie With Minogue. Kylie Minogue. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I will help you out with this, Bob, because you seem to have forgotten the number one song. Didn't forget. I just wasn't done talking about oh. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay. But Go yes, ahead. the number one song in February 1st, 1994, was this banger. When it's love you give, I'll be fucking hate Ryan Adams and he keeps on coming up on this fucking podcast more than you would have ever thought I don't think he's ever done anything worthwhile in his career maybe summer of 69 but no, even that I is a cloying piece of shit yeah and then all of his 90s output it's some of the soggiest like middle of the road oh, no, 95 like... 5 PLJ ballads what was that he had a good song on the Don Juan DeMarco soundtrack Poor shit, Bob. <laughs> I want Brian Adams in this garage so I could tell him to his face that he's a fraud. Oh, man. Well, tonight's your throw. lucky night, Dan. Brian Adams. <laughs> the garage comes up and it's like smoke and he's wearing like a And he's playing jacket. Summer of 69 and you love it. <laughs> yeah, pump it up. It was another on the Three Musketeers soundtrack. Yeah, because they had there was like that big song in the Robin Hood soundtrack that Brian Adams had. And then this big Three Musketeers soundtrack. He was really just hitting the woodsy, farcical, like <laughs> fanciful, like olden times songs. And then it, like three years later, he came out with an album where he he sexed himself up for the video. Do you remember that one? It was like he was I wearing this one like out. lime green leather pants and shirtless. And oh, I hate Brian Adams. Well, luckily, we're not talking about Brian Adams tonight, Dan. We're talking about Green Day. Yeah, but we already did talk about Brian Adams. Yeah, that's Adams, true. So we can't undo and that. And it's ruined my night. We can't undo that. All right, Bob, here it is. Dookie, one of the landmark albums of the 90s. It starts out with this track, Burnout. Um, I'm 14 again. <laughs> like immediately, I'm 14 again. This does, this screams 1994. Oh my God. I can't remember the last time I listened to this. And I'm, I'm, in, my, I'm in my house on Quake Lane in Pearl River, listening in my room with my, like laying on the floor on my blue carpet and just like absorbing this whole album. I, didn't you have the poster in your bedroom? I did, yeah. I got this poster. That was a big deal because I didn't have any other posters, I think. I think I had like an Adam Graves. Yes, I remember your Adam Graves. My Adam Graves, goals 51 poster. goals. <laughs> well, he, it was 51 and he ended up scoring 52. So I, somehow I got this poster. You before, had a typo poster? <laughs> before he hit his 51 was the new record. And then he scored a 52nd goal late in the season. They could not wait the extra like no. week in the schedule to no. produce the posters. Oh. So I was very happy to own that Adam Gray's poster. And then, uh, yeah, Green Day was definitely the first band poster I ever owned. Did, um, you, uh, did you have any band posters? I can't even remember. In high school, no. I only had, like, Yankees stuff. Yeah. But then, I, I shouldn't say that. By the time I got to, like, junior year of high school, I had, God, it was a really badass um, YouTube Pop Mart poster. Uh, that I remember getting at the concert at Giant Stadium that I proudly hung. And then by the time I got to college, I remember I had an Oasis poster. You had the Dave Matthews poster of him black and white holding the guitar, looking down at his uh, weapon for uh, getting uh, the slow jam on. I remember that. That is that is libelous, <laughs> slanderous. <laughs> I did have an Everclear poster. <laughs> that Did you? That's awesome. That Green Day poster, by the way, that you had in your childhood bedroom, that is, to me, um, on the short list, maybe even the, if you have to pick one kind of iconic album cover yep. of the 90s, and there are a lot of them that were classics, but that one to me is like, boom, I immediately, whenever I hear any of these songs, the image, uh, it's a cartoon, mm -hmm. the name of the album is Dookie, which is another word for shit, and it's like an atomic bomb going off, and it's a yeah. whole thing, it's a comic book. And the basically. poster was like, it was bigger than the the album cover, like it went out further so you could see more of this little cartoon world. And I remember just like staring at the poster, like just taking it all in because Green Day was my favorite band in 1994. Like I was, I was like a big Pearl Jam fan. They were my favorite band leading up to this. And then this album happened and I just became obsessed with Green Day. 
This is having a blast. Yeah, track two. just thinking about blowing himself up with explosives. Nice. He's definitely a troubled dude, Billy Joe Armstrong. It's funny, this... Um, I don't think he's troubled. Well, he's blowing himself. Not troubled in like the 90s way where it's... Yeah. You're literally, you know, your guy's killing themselves and things right, of right, that right. nature. Uh, but he seemed to kind of be in a rut in his life. And I think that's kind of what this album's about in a lot of ways. Yeah. Circling think, back to the chronic masturbation and whatnot. I mean, it was so like teenager was like, which is i think why even though i wasn't like a, a pothead uh guy with explosives punk <laughs> i was uh i just like related to just like the vibe of all this music of just like that like constantly bored like you're always bored when you're 14 so bored like no matter what you're bored so bored especially in 94 there was nothing when you when you got your license bob when we had the buick lesaber to to go places and try to kill time that was boring too yeah we wouldn't we didn't know what to do because you're not you're not 21 you're not 18 you just have the access to go further away but there's nothing to do nothing to do and we grew up in like a very typical like suburb where there's not like there's, there's no you're not going to get into a bar at a young age you know you're not going to do anything you're just going to sit in your fucking house and i guess some people would have active social lives but Bob, you were definitely, you'd fallen off the A-list hard by 94. I was just nice and snug uh, well, on that B-list. We weren't going to a lot of, like, parties. Yeah, I mean, you were you were C-list at the time. I was probably, like, like slowly kind of dripping down from the A-list into this B-list where I settled and uh, ready to just pull you up from the C-list. But uh, Just another reminder, by the way, that the tragedy of your quote-unquote A-list tenure was that you were never really part of the group. And it got to a point where they collectively decided, Bob, we're not even going to keep Wait, the charade we talked, up anymore. Have we ever talked about this, uh, our, our status <laughs> on the podcast? Or I don't know if we did. Uh, <laughs> maybe we should get into it, though. Uh, that That's track two, by all the right, way. That'll, that'll, that'll segue seamlessly into all of the memories that this album pulls out. So. Uh, this is Chump, which is fitting for Bob's sister. What a slaughter job. Apologies. <laughs> I let you have it. No, I wanted you to have it. I was going to let it sit. You have any comments about Ch- uh, Chump? By the way, I I never owned this album. Really? Yeah, That's surprising. I, I was not, never, I didn't dislike Green Day, but they were one of those artists. It's kind of like the Everclear thing, but at a much grander scale where um, I didn't have Everclear albums, but they got so big at a certain point that I knew a lot of their songs. Green, Bit, Green Day was that in, on an even grander scale because there were so many hit singles. We haven't even gotten to any of them yet. Which is crazy. Yeah, right? the track listing's a little weird on this song. Pump this up a little bit. Okay. So in middle school, I mean, let's be honest. In middle school, I was pretty cool. Just hanging out with the cool kids. Yes, I will say. Like my, bar, I will agree my, with the my, latter part of that statement, my, my not bar, the former. My bar mitzvah was an A-list affair, which you were not invited to. That's correct. And, that is uh, correct. It's not, but not, just not a good thing. Teeming with A-listers. <laughs> just, I mean, it was like the Oscars. I'll, I will circle back to. When everyone's 13, a bar mitzvah is actually something that you go to when you're invited to it just because there's nothing else to do if you don't go to the bar mitzvah. No, you have to. And especially in sweet 16s were the same thing, especially in a school like ours, too, where there were three Jews. So it was like a big deal to get an invite to one of the three bar mitzvahs. Right. I never did get an invite, which I always thought was like (laughs) reverse, like anti-Semitism toward me. It was like I was being the the Jews, Jewish people were being racist toward me. That's how I always viewed it. Uh, maybe that is maybe it was a little bit of that but um no we were because we were friends uh in like fourth grade and then we took a break and then we reunited we in high school so the bar mitzvah fell during the break if somebody uh is not aware of this history here <laughs> but um but anyway in uh eighth grade yeah we we sort of started hanging out a little bit and the right. ninth ninth grade is where the the friendship was really 
Right, our friendship, but you were right. cast out from the A-list before that. Well, what happened was, like, yeah, that is true. Our friendship rekindled when you were at your lowest point, and I kind of rose, I kind of brought you up. You were like a pop star that developed a major drug addiction <laughs> and lost everything, and then I kind of took you out of the gutter and said, hey, this guy's, I know he's damaged goods, but he's he's a good shit, so you were let's like, give him a shot. You were like like the teenage kid that was a fan of mine that was like, hey, come on, sober up, and like kind of pulled me out of it. You were the best, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that makes sense. So you got kicked out of the A-list. I was never in the A-list. Um, I was never like on the D-list either. I just kind of lingered throughout um, middle school and into high school. And then once we became friends, we kind of – we kind of power bottomed our way up the list. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um, and by the end of senior year, we were like kind of elite B listers. I would say, yeah, B pluster, B plusers. Yeah, that that yeah. we could shape shift to an A list party occasionally. We we can get we can get into the A list parties. Like we weren't like first ballot invites. <laughs> Definitely not. But we can get in there and not feel completely uncomfortable. Right. But then we would still hang out with uh, some C listers and have a good time. But while we're here, Bob, um, and before we get to the next song, do you want to just once again, talk about your 9-11 moment with the A-list when you were cast out um, like a Bible uh, story. Tell us. Like a Bible story. Uh, I will tell it. Can we do it over the next song or is it a big song? It's a big song, but we can still do Let's it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I knew. Yes, I knew. See, I still know this track listing. I had a feeling this is it. Um, yeah, it was eighth grade. And... Uh, so, yeah, like Dan said, I was kind of like I had my A-list friends, but there was a big portion of the A-list. Such that, a sadness to you as you tell the story. That just, didn't really, that just didn't really care about me. So um, in our school, seventh grade was the last year of middle school. Then we went eighth grade into high school, which was kind of weird. But um, the eighth grade was the lunch. You're was, struggling to get through the story. The lunch, so much. the lunch was separated into two lunch periods. So there was yes, like it was. A and B. And uh, all of my friends... The, the friends I had in the Quote A-list, the friends I had in the A-list <laughs> were, had like the A-lunch and I was in the B-lunch with the other kids that like were not a fan of me or just like didn't care about me. Right. So, um, so I like would go to lunch and I would sit around all these people that were my quote unquote friends, but none of them no. gave a shit about me. They and were then, ending the charade. They were ending the charade. They, they had opted to end the charade. Right I didn't there. have my two or three friends that I could latch on to. In that lunch period, right. so cling uh, to them like a life preserver. So there was one day I, uh, I went to uh, God, I love the story. I went to sit down, <laughs> and um, this girl Sarah, yeah, Sarah, Sarah, who we've talked about on the pod, my before. future junior prom date and uh, sometime and gal pal, the girl that we would eventually go to the Rolling Stone magazine party with. Yes, how about irony of that? Where, where you made Drew Barrymore uncomfortable. Don't try to change the story. Uh, it all Don't try to change the topic here. So uh, Sarah was What part did of, my dear beloved Sarah say to you, Bob? Sarah was part of that A-list. So uh, I sit down next to her, and Sarah proceeds to um, get up and move away and say, that chair was broken, <laughs> and go sit at the other side of the table next to somebody else. And then I realized that, oh, it's not the, it's not the physical physical cafeteria yes. table it's the one the seat next to me yes. is the broken seat and for months perhaps years that had been the inside joke that bob was <laughs> the broken seat but only now did bob hear it and put it together and he was cast out it's <laughs> <laughs> floundering like didn't know where to go all right let's listen to the song <laughs> <laughs> Good part. But she don't like the one she's got. When masturbation's lost its fun, you're fucking I can't I can't describe accurately how kind of cool it was and dangerous it was. Um for a, this was a major crossover hit for them, their first one. Like he's talking about masturbation. When, like Yeah. I don't think it had come up in a in a popular song since Billy Joel. What was that stupid Billy Joel song? Uh, Captain Jack. That overrated piece it's, of garbage no, it's song. It's a good song. It's a good song. <laughs> um, it's true, though. It was, like, insane. And then eventually the radio would, like, would scra- record scratch it out. But I feel like at first it got by. 
And then they were like, oh, so this, this is a big radio hit now, so we can't say masturbation anymore. But it was a big deal. That's like with the Petty song, You Don't Know How It Feels, where they had to reverse the the wording on joint. Yeah, exactly. Like, what were you Ridiculous. saving America from and the children? But that video, I was that song, like, was a game changer for, like, me as a fan of music. Like, I loved that video. I loved the song. It made me seek out everything Green Day had done up until that point. It made me kind of try to find out what punk music was because that's all everybody right. was talking about at that point. And once they got so popular, people that actually were fans of punk music really came to resent Green Day as being – they were fake punk and – there was a whole nation that was thinking that Green Day was punk and they really weren't. I don't need, I don't have a dog in that fight. Uh, I just know that was something that became a part of the Green Day conversation, that they were somehow not real punk, whatever. I don't care. I think it is punk, though, that they had a major hit talking about jack it off. <laughs> Point for Green Day. Point for Green Day. Uh, let's move on now. Uh, another uh, big hit. This is a, a, a modern rock hit. Don't know if it crossed over, but it was a big one. This is such a great, um, call it a distance album, when you get some distance from it and then listen to it again. All the songs still sound great. Yeah. They would sound better now than when they came out to me. Like, it sounds so fresh and different uh, than what was on the radio before. And then after it, Green Day came out, there were like an army of clones that were trying to be Green Day. Yep. Uh, they weren't like a... They weren't like a trend-setting band, but they kind of tapped into this idea of like very simple, straightforward type songs, and it was all over the radio. This song, I love the song, and this was a huge hit for me. And it makes sense, like coming on the heels or kind of overlapping with grunge music, which was so like bogged down in those heavy guitars and you know four or five minute songs. Like this is the opposite of a live by Pearl Jam. Like right. it's just like quick and punchy. And it doesn't even matter what he's saying. It's just like a fun, not even fun. It's just like a cool punk type song. This this album came out two months before Kurt Cobain killed himself. And it was um, all over the radio throughout 94. And there was, just like there became a lot of Green Day clones, even on a grander scale, a lot of Nirvana clones that came out. Uh, and Green Day, to me, was like a breath of fresh air, their sound. Um, ooh, I like this part. Let's listen to this. This is a badass part. By the way, Bob, I want to tell you that um, although I get a lot of um, joy out of your being cast out. Yep, I, I can see that. Um, at the same time as, as your bosom buddy, I can understand how hurtful that must have been. And you probably dealt with a lot of stuff emotionally as a 13-year-old boy at that time. So I understand that. And I don't really have to apologize, though, because in my own way, I saved you when our friendship was rekindled. You were able to move on. So I already kind of did my job. I feel like this is how cult leaders talk, <laughs> like when they try to tell yeah, somebody. I'm going to play an acoustic song for you <laughs> Exactly now. where they lap. stand and everything. <laughs> Sit on my giant bonered lap, Bob. Oh, I'm going to play you a song. <laughs> giant bonered lap. <laughs> Uh, Isn't that what cult leaders do? They no, play that is what they do. Yeah. Guitars. yeah, they grow out their hair. They wear one of those like flowing white shirts with the three buttons. Yeah, and then they just fuck everything the whole time. <laughs> Probably not... underage, and you would have been what thirteen years old, right? In my wheelhouse, <laughs> your wheelhouse as wow. a uh, cult leader. You're grooming. If I was a cult, leader. you were grooming me somehow. Uh, I don't even get where we're at anymore. I'm gonna but... have like a Kevin Spacey type statement after this episode. So um, that's a big. That's a big big story. <laughs> Bad job by Spacey, by the way. We don't, we don't do current Spacey. events on this show because we don't always uh, put it out immediately after we do the show. But it's like Spacey, you know, he didn't handle it well. You can't you can't do the thing. You can't admit to the thing and then be like, oh, and also, 
now I'm a gay man. I mean, I might have to do a similar thing now with it's, my situation. It's but. a great misdirect if that's not the story. But to do it the way he did it, bad move. By the way, everybody knew that. I mean, everybody knows. Kev. Hey, Kev. Yeah. You know, Kevin can wait with the statement. Oh, little, little Kevin can wait callback there. Well, it's not really a callback when it hasn't been mentioned beforehand. <laughs> it's just a weird reference to a bad sitcom. Very strange. Very strange. Can't believe they killed off the wife and brought back, brought <laughs> so back Lamp Remini. Uh, uh, let's move on. Here. The next track on a dookie. Yeah. Welcome to Paradise. Love that one. That might even be Ooh. an early favorite for me for our Spotify playlist. Uh, but got a lot of music to go through. Let's go. Pulling teeth. I remember this one. Yeah, I really like this one. Um, yeah, but you definitely were like the Dookie guy. 94, this is like, I was starting to get into like REM um, and kind of discovering REM's back catalog, like U2's back catalog. That's where I was. And then I was into County Crows like crazy. And then Nirvana kind of came on the scene. Dookie to me was kind of like a band that was everywhere, but I remember you were like, you and this our other friend Stephanie, well, like the two biggest Green Day fans. I figured, I mean, there was no way we were going to get through this podcast without talking about Stephanie. No, Steph. Because I don't know if there's a single band that elicits a memory of a single person the way Green Day does this girl, Stephanie. Mm. Tell us more about Well, let's talk about Stephanie. No, because she was both of our friends. There's a there's a there's a lot that we can unpack here. A lot to unpack with Steph. Because we were fourteen I was fourteen uh, when this album came out. You were, you know, turning fourteen soon. And we were freshmen in high school. Yes. Correct? And in our school, ninth grade was the year that, you know, like I mentioned eighth grade, we were all in high school. Ninth grade was the year that the the private schools funneled into the high school mm-hmm. St. So, Margaret's and the like right so the Catholic schools in the area and also I guess if you're just like a family moving from one place to another ninth grade would be the year you move your kid out of New York City into the suburbs is that what what it was I, I never think, really put it together yeah it makes, it makes sense, sense yeah. right so sounds like just throwing shit against the wall with that but it, it also all makes of, there's sense logic, yeah there's logic there so we don't want Archie to start high school somewhere else. Right. and have to start over. So you start sense. in ninth grade. Yeah. So we had an. What Im- about Archie? That's there was nobody named that. <laughs> Can I have a beer, Bob? Yes. So there was there was an influx of new people in our in our lives yes, there was. in the ninth grade. <laughs> and one of them. Why are you laughing? That was funny. It's, it's a long way to get to this. Go ahead. <laughs> it's not that long of a way. It's making a point. I'm setting no, a it's, scene. It's good. You're doing good. And what? <laughs> don't belittle me. <laughs> And one as, as I like get up to get no, you a beer. That's very nice what a dick. No. Um, Cast out. One of the <laughs> is my chair broken? Um, <laughs> one of the uh, people that came to our school was this girl Stephanie. Yes, yeah, Stephanie. Stephanie uh, very pretty, mm-hmm. blonde from the Bronx, maybe or something like that, right? I believe the Bronx or Yonkers. Yes. Oh, this is big. Um, and Stephanie immediately became one of our really good friends. Me, you, and her would hang out a lot. I don't even know how that happened. Yeah. Well, we, we both were in love with her, basically. We were both in love with her. Yes. And. As legend goes. As legend would have it. Hold on. I think I'm crossing my wires. Because there are two girls that we were both You're in love with. You're thinking of Paula. I am thinking of Paula. Yeah, that's a different story. It's a different story, but the same same era. Yes. 94, like freshman uh, freshman year of high school era, Paula was the girl that we made a deal that yes. we wouldn't both go for at the same time. Yes. Let's put a pin in that <laughs> and listen to Basket Case for a minute. Little little gender flip flopping there. That was a big deal at the time. Yeah, this is a perfect song. Yeah, perfect song. And a massive hit for them. 
probably the biggest MTV hit on the album. Oh, definitely. The, yeah. In, they're in like a sanitarium, and it's all bright colors, very '90s, and um, a perfect song and a great video, and it helped take them to the next level. Yeah, and somehow maybe I've just avoided it for a decade and a half. I'm like enjoying listening to it right now. That's what I mean. These songs sound amazing. Yeah. Wait, I want to hear this again. It's great pop music, and they were definitely Billy Joe Armstrong, lead singer, is like a huge Beatles fan. Same thing with Kurt Cobain. Like that's all in there. Like the like love of melody and like being getting right to the point. Three chords and the truth. Love it. Love it. Love it. Anyway. Anyway. Back to your story. So yeah, Paula. Paula. Yeah. She came from the Bronx. That was definitely yeah. Paula definitely came from maybe the did too, but Paula definitely did. Yeah. And uh, this was the beginning of the year, so it kind of predates this album by a few months. But um, when she came to the, this girl, Paula came to the school, we were both just like, she's the most beautiful girl we've ever smitten. seen. We were smitten. And I, at the time, had a girlfriend. Not to rub it in your face. I had a girl. You did. You were, you were I guess, dating a, a girl at that time. Yes. And uh, we dated for, uh, we would go on to date for a a very, very significant three weeks. It was <laughs> yes. a very significant relationship. How many actual dates did you go on? We saw the movie Time Cop. <laughs> Time Cop. That was our first date. Jean-Claude Van Damme callback. We went to go see Time Cop. Then we went to a bench near Franklin Avenue and made out. Little exciting. tonsil hockey. <laughs> Gross. Uh, tonsil hockey with Bob and Jane. We definitely saw Forrest Gump together at some point. That might have even predated our dating. Whatever. The, oh, is she the one where after the movie, like she, you came out of theory and she said, so what was the deal with that retard? Is that Jane? <laughs> no, that wasn't. Oh. That never happened. Um, oh, right. I thought you were to be like, and she came out of the theater and was like, I have AIDS too. <laughs> like, I thought you were to tie it to that part. Um, no. So anyway, so. But you would have been okay because you definitely weren't banging. No, definitely yeah. not banging. No. So. So I, Jane, Unless you shared a needle. I don't know about that. We were, yeah. yeah. Jane, by the way, listens to the pod. Hi, Jane. Bob has AIDS. <laughs> Test, get tested. <laughs> um, so because I had this girlfriend, though, when we both, you know, met Paula. Yes. And you, we were both smitten with her. <laughs> yes, we were. We made the deal that you. Bob, you're a gifted storyteller. <laughs> I'm just done. Keep just going, done keep with the going, podcast. Keep going. You act like people know what this story is if you don't give them context to it. I know. I'm sorry. You, I'm allowed to be a dick. I am a dick, as you know, Bob. So I'm being a little bit of a you, dick. But I'm enjoying the story, and it is taking me back in time. Okay. <laughs> Every single thing I've said, by the way, there's been no asides. Anyway, so that, that was, was an, an aside. aside. <laughs> that was a bit of an aside. So because I had a girlfriend, the deal was you had like a three-week window I remember it as the other way around, but no, no, you had the the advantage. I wasn't allowed to pursue Paula mm. because I had a girlfriend. So you had, I think it was longer than three weeks. I think you had like the whole first semester mm. to make your move. And how did that work out? Well, uh, I never really had a girlfriend in high school, so I would say that it did not go work out too well for me. No, and also she had no interest in either of us. <laughs> no, so. that was the that was the real tr- story. At the end of the day, is. Uh, Paula, we we were friendly with Paula all yeah, through yeah. high school, um, but and I think it was short. It was a short term crush uh, for both of us, right? Um, but neither of us ended up being successful. Could not have come further away from actually. Let's succeeding. move on. Oh my god. Can I just say, Bob, that this is probably my favorite Green Day song. Really? That's interesting. This was like a modern rock hit, I feel like. Um, Like I just love how this song starts. Yeah, me too. It's got one of my favorite like beginnings to any song. And maybe it benefited from being popular but not overplayed like the other bigger hits. Um, So it's I have a fonder memory of it. But I, even to this day, if I'm putting together like 
a playlist for a party or something and I get to Green Day, she will almost always be the song that I'll like slide over to the playlist. It's almost like, a, I'm trying to think of like who this is. It's like a, like a Buddy Holly song where it's like the whole thing is just full. Whereas like it starts starts hot and it gets right into it and the whole thing is just just full. Like it's just like the whole way through there's no break. Can you even imagine the record company, the record label, reprise, like reprise? Sure. Reprise? Nobody knows. Their reaction when they're like, Hey, did you hear any of the demos to Dookie? And it's like, Yeah, there's like eleven hit singles on it. It's like <laughs> from what? Who? Green what? Like you talk about coming out of nowhere, they had this album Kerplunk before that. No one, no one but the biggest no. diehard underground punk fan was aware of Kerplunk. No, if I ever met somebody who got the Green Day albums in order, that would be insane. I don't think right. anybody's ever done that. Like sometimes a, a huge popular artist, uh, you see it coming. It's like a wave where the first album comes out and there's like a, a hit on it, and then maybe the second or third album is the one where they explode. Right, with like like, the like, five ever, like Everclear. Yeah, that's a good example. Um, well, you know, it's strong. But uh, Green Day was the, one of those bands that was like, first album comes out, they know they'll never top it, and everything else after that album is managing expectations because they basically hit a home run, grand slam in their first at bat, and that's it. What do you do from there? It's kind of a tough legacy, but they pulled it off. They, they really pulled did. it off, yeah. But they had the two albums before. They had Kerplunk, and they had 1,039 Smoothed Out Slappy Hours, which is a weird-ass <laughs> that's name. Bad. But... uh yeah, like if you were a kid like me, you got this album and then Green Day pre-internet was a band that made you search for like these other albums that you heard about in like at weird, random, off-brand tape stores until you found it. Right. Which was exciting. It was exciting to like find Kerplunk. I've never heard Kerplunk, but I do like the album cover with the girl. Another animation. Let's listen to this one. Uh, Sassafras Roots. It's creepy. Well, you think it's creepy that I like the album cover because there's a, a a cartoon of a female? Yes. Why? Why would that be? Let me look at it. I think I have it right in front of us here. Is it here somewhere? One of the ones on the table. It might be under your computer. There it is. There it is. It's like a... She's curvy. A curvy of age because she's holding a gun. Oh, oh. So you you did that math. So she's 19. You, you did that math when you were just like lusting for she's this. She's got like, like a pixie haircut. <laughs> And it uh, looks like her cheekbones are defined. Uh, check it out, everybody. The hot chick from Kerplunk. Not creepy at all. Okay. It's hot. It's no, a hot I, cartoon. I, look, I'm not, I don't want to be judgmental. I'll give it to you. I feel like we're just getting closer to your Kevin Spacey statement. But. I got a big Spacey statement to make. And then a bombshell at the end of the statement that will be one of the most misguided misdirects of all time. And it's going to beat his. <laughs> Jeez. What's next? Um, you're done with Sassafras Roots? Yeah, yeah, that's a little mid-album filler there. Nothing. That's an MFR? Too big or crazy about it, but it's good. All right, well, it's good because there's been a lot of big hits, and then here comes another monster. Ah. Uh. I love this song. I love Billy Joe Armstrong's fake British accent. Always loved it. People could not get over that in 1994. That was like the big joke about Green Day. And I'm trying to think now, like in the out later albums, does he still sing like this? I think he kind of I think does. so. I think we just got used to it. Yeah. We were just like, all right, that's what he sounds like when he sings. But he's a dude from Berkeley uh, in Northern California. He couldn't be further away uh, from London. But I guess it's a guy that was probably a huge fan of like The Clash. Yeah, exactly. He was just like, I'm going to sing like, uh, mm, not Joe Strummer. Who's the lead singer of The Clash? Yeah. Was it Joe Strummer? Yeah. Mm. I hope we're right. Um, when I come around, a huge, another huge MTV hit. Also, um, we talked, we've talked about this in the past, Bob. Another 1994 artifact was singled out on MTV, and how we would both pine for Chris Hardwick's wardrobe he, on that he show. He just wore the coolest stuff. 
And Kenny McCarthy was like, hey, we're buddies. And that was enough. Jenny McCarthy was the reason to watch the show. Uh, she was just iconically hot. Uh, if you were a 14-year-old boy, was just unable to process this super hot playboy chick that was also cool and could mess around with the boys. But Hardwick's clothes were amazing. <laughs> Billy Joe Armstrong's sweater in this video, it was like a brown sweater yep, with yep. like a stripe, a very 90s type sweater, was one of those things that I always hoped to find in Aeropostale, but you can never find it. He wore the hell out of his brown sweater in this video. Maybe because at Aeropostale we would only go in there during the blue sale where everything that what was blue was on sale. That was always a big deal. I think this is the only guitar solo on the uh, album. It's pretty pretty generous of you to call that a guitar solo. Well, it's yeah. I think it was it would classify as that. This is also probably one of the longest songs. It's like crazy three minutes. It's like a real single. Like yes. if there was if there was a single single on this that they would say this is the single that would be the single. This was their pop song for uh, sure. Another Green Day fashion moment when he wore the uh, the tie at Woodstock with a question mark on it. Mm. It was just uh, and that was the uh, Woodstock where they were just getting pelted with mud. The whole time Yeah and he was eating the mud That was yeah, badass it was badass But I I went on like a non-stop hunt Before like one of our Like high school dances To find a tie With a question mark on it You definitely would have Pulled it off If you found it though. Thank you Dan <laughs> That's very nice for you to say With zero sarcasm <laughs> Bob and I um, In fact we used it For a long time As the um, Avatar for our Throwback pod Twitter handle Which you should check out Throwback pod uh, we uh, more than one dance. We had uh, silk shirts that we. Ray, no, 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 no. Rayon shirts. <laughs> rayon. I don't. Yeah. Rayon's like the poor man's silk. Oh, it wasn't even silk. No, rayon <laughs> was like the the shirt you would get at like Marshalls. They were rayon for sure. They were very comfortable. Very. Very comfortable. airy. So airy. And I guess it did um, check the box for if you wanted a lovely lady to be. If you wanted a slow dance. You give her something to hold on to. Give her a little rayon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, babe, why don't you just come in and lean into this couch-like substance and just fall asleep in my hairless chest? Hey, rayon people, come come at us uh, because we can make you some money. A big rayon comeback. It's got to come back at some point. But yeah, tucking like an airy rayon shirt into like your baggy Z Cavaricci type mm. pants. I never had Z Cavaricis. My mom said, I'll wait till it gets the Marshalls. And then the, by the time it got to Marshall's, the popular discount sh- uh, store, Cavaricis was all over. Oh, yeah. No, you didn't want those Cavaricis. No. Did you have Cavaricis? I might have had a pair. Yeah. Well, that was kind of like... Uh, That's why I was in the A-list. You, you needed that in the yeah. A-list. Um, Cavaricis, I had one pair of Reebok pumps. I did what I had to do in middle school to survive. <laughs> pumps were a big deal. It, basically, if you were a boy, um, it's all you really wanted in 1991 was a pair of pumps yeah it was a big 92 um all right moving on that was kind of a uh mf right there coming clean no that was a good song i like that one i didn't say it was bad but... i know i know i know what you're saying but it's just not a single but that, i like that song. coming up next imineus sleep us yeah You know what you I, I'm sick and I want to go home. It's nice. I like this. I like this song. Um, you know what I would like in your um, social life career in secondary school too? The career of Mickey Rourke. Okay. Wait. So, so you were A-list, but you know, you you were never you know, top of the A list, but you were you were in the conversation there for a little like bit in the Brad Pack or Brad Pack adjacent, and then you were cast out, right? Um, and you had him, a lot of problems. Him Could for, it be lower? Him for massive drug problems. Me for uh, teen acne, uh, an undesirable face. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, braces. What else? Just a broken chair situation. Just a broken chair. And then just when people had kind of forgot about you and counted you out here you came back on your own terms and you did it your way maybe a little more grizzled 
maybe um, a little worse for the wear, but you were back Wait, and you so got some revenge. Are you my wrestler? <laughs> is that what this is? I like it. You can <laughs> run with that. <laughs> I'm not running with anything. This is all yours. Uh, no, it's kind of a, a working project, what, what we're talking about right I now. was going to share another sad story of mine from, from the middle school days, tying into the Reebok pump thing. All right, let's move on to the next track and then get yeah, into it. Yeah, this is a, This is called In the End. It's a quick song. Yeah, one minute, 46 yes. seconds. Can you tell a story in that amount of time? Probably not. That's an insult. Um, it's a challenge. So as we all know, uh, I have flat feet. <laughs> as we all know, he says. Yep. As I, I do know, though. As everybody knows. Yes, famously. Uh, it would keep you out of the Iraq war. It would keep me out of any war. <laughs> uh, the feet are flat. If I go in a pool and I step on the uh, next to it, it's just a flat like Fred Flintstone <laughs> oh, image. No. So anyway, flat feet. You also don't cast a shadow. <laughs> it's very sad. Because of flat feet, I uh, I couldn't wear Nikes. Probably still can. Oh, that's right. That is sad. Nikes always hurt me because they had that big sucks. arches. So uh, after the Reebok pump, the hot sneaker were the Bo Jacksons. Yes. And I asked for the Bo Jacksons Number for Christmas. Number 34 on the back. It was, I was so excited. I got the Bo Jacksons for Christmas. I put them on under the tree. Oh, you know? I put them on and I walked around my living room and they just hurt. And I was oh. like, oh, it hurts so much. So I went down to the basement after Christmas and I got a hammer. No, Bob, don't do the hammer. And I started hammering the arches of my feet. Oh. Your feet, not the sneaker? No, not the sneaker. Oh, Jesus Christ. Bob, that's the saddest story I've ever heard. And uh, I think my mom came down and saw me doing this. And she's like, what are you doing? And it was like, I want to wear the Bo Jacksons. And I was like, you are as your God made you. And we ended up uh, returning the Bo Jacksons, and I still have flat feet. It was like your mom actually then carved a tendon out of your foot to give you an arch. No. She would, because I have a great mom. She would have she done that. She is a great mom. But uh, I did it in under... Under the minute and a half, and it's a very sad story. That's like the saddest story I've ever heard. Well, you know, Dan, it's not easy having flat feet and being a broken chair. <laughs> I thought, I thought. Despite all of this, this is, a, this is a motivational story for everybody. Here I am today in a garage doing a podcast about Green Day. You did it. You, you beat the odds. Uh, flat feet and all. Um, this is the penultimate track or the final track. Final. We'll do a, a hidden track that's well known. Here is F. O-D. Oh, I love this. Been for quite some time. It's time I'm on to you. So I can't believe you were beating your feet with a hammer to get an arch. Can you picture my basement too? It was like a, it was like a scary little weird basement. <sighs> this is okay. Yes, I can actually. Yep. Yeah. It's where the it's where the toolbox was. You were trying to self mutilate yourself. Yeah, yeah. It was self mutilation. I was ahead of the curve. For Bo Jackson, who was later mutilated when he was tackled on a football. Do you think it was connected at all? I do. His hip was never the same. I felt bad about that ever since that moment. Yeah. Um, what I mean, does FOD stand for? I remember that being something that was kind of I think like it was a fuzzy fuck thing off to and know. die, right? I just remember it being kind of cool. I think it was fuck off and die. You can do a little internet research, Bob's fill time. See, now you made me rush through the through the story about my feet, and now you're asking me to just say things to fill this time, and I got nothing. I'm out of I'm out of sad stories. I guess they don't all have to be sad. They don't have to be sad. But you know what? We didn't we never really paid off the Stephanie thing. That's correct. Fuck off and die. Yes, thank you. So um so Stephanie, so there was Paula, and then there was Stephanie. Stephanie became our friend, and we both again equal crush on her this was after my three-week relationship was over yes yes and um she loved green day and she also you know came to our school with like stories of like hooking up with guys in a previous school are talking like she if you're a 14 year old boy from the suburbs with no connection to anything dangerous or sexy and then a pretty blonde-haired girl mysteriously shows up and talks about being in a hot tub with a dude and getting caught by the custodian, like separate, separate, was, separate stories. There was not a hot tub. For the custodian. Well, but it was that type of thing. Going I know it was on crazy. It was like it was, she was weaponized. Yeah, and we were just like drooling the entire time. Tell us more. Yeah, 
and she loved Green Day, so I already loved Green Day. I love great endpoint. I loved Green Day so much more because Stephanie yes. loved Green Day, and that was like the thing that bonded us. And uh, we went to a dance together. That was a big deal. You went to a dance together, and then after that, um, on a I believe it was like a Friday night at the Montvel Roller Rink. Uh, it was my turn. I asked her out. Um, she said yes, uh, which was a high point of my teenage years. And then at some point between asking her out and getting to go on that date, there September was September 11th. There was some type of 9/11 <laughs> about face, and um, that date never materialized, Bob. And you know what? That's a perfect seg into the hidden track. Is it? <laughs> it is a perfect seg into the hidden track of Green Day's breakthrough album, Dookie. Let's listen to it. Yeah, we are. They're having fun. This is a good like this this is I my high school alone. years. <laughs> I was all by myself. No one was looking. I was thinking of you. This is Trey, right? I think it's Trey, yeah. Oh yeah, did I mention I was all by myself. I kinda wanna put this on the mix. All by myself. All by myself. All by myself. I went to your house. I miss hidden tracks. I know. I was just thinking that they were such a cool little nugget. If you're a listener of this podcast and you're in your 20s or a millennial, I guess you have no connection to this, really. I guess, but. It was there wasn't a more exciting feeling when the final tr- listed track ended, and then the disc kept going. And it kept going, and you're looking, and, and you're like, ooh. And sometimes an artist would fuck with you and just add like eleven more seconds, and then it would be over. Total dick move. Dick move. But then other times you're going like a minute, two minutes, three minutes in, and then it just hits you. You're just waiting, like you just. It was awesome. Um, there you go, Dookie um, by Green Day sold. I didn't look this up, so I'll just guess. 39 million copies probably uh we'll put each of the three guys in the band's kids through private school and then like 17 generations of those families through private school and that's nice hopefully they're they're charitable people too and they give to the right efforts out there to make the world a better place because these motherfuckers got super rich because 10 years after this album came out american idiot came out and that was like one of the biggest sensations of the next decade in terms of album sales and popularity um, and, so, they, and they were throwing out hits in between as well. From yeah. So Nimrod and all the other albums. They had. So, I, I retroactively time of your life was like the biggest, uh, biggest song of our graduation year. Like, <laughs> yes. It was, it was constant. A little cringeworthy in retrospect. But I know, but it was, it was like there. a perfect sync up. The point is they never went away and that sunk up perfectly to our, to our graduating. Yes. So yeah. you're now we're going to pick our Spotify song before we get out of there. All by myself is. Kind of like the hipster choice for the album, but no, we can't like really, it doesn't we can't do it justice really, how really awesome this there. album is. Yeah, we can put that on there. But here's what I, I want to say here, Bob. I know what you're going to say already. No, I want to say that this should be your choice because this was a personal album to Bobby Castrone, who went through a lot at this time of his life. And who was there for him? Uh, Billy Joe, Trey Cool, and the other guy. Mike Durnt. Mike Durnt. Um, so whatever you decide here, Bob, I am... Going to sign off, swing it through legislation, get it to the House, get it through Congress, and rubber stamp it, Bob. What is your selection uh, from Dookie for the Spotify playlist for Throwback? Oh, I feel this. Well, thank you, Dan. This is You deserve it, Bob, after everything you've been through. Not since. You're not a broken chair to me, Bob. Not since you picked me up and became my Darren Aronofsky. Wait, right? Is that who directed The Wrestler? Yes, it is. It's been a while. while. Did you ever feel like a broken dog? Not since you did that have you done something so nice for me. Um, But I got, I'm not, I'm not ready to do this on my own because I just love this whole album and there's a part of me that wants to go burn out. I've never really been a huge fan of Welcome to Paradise, believe it or not. So that's not really in the mix. When I come around, I just, I still can't 
I'm still not ready to hear that a lot. Basket case, so good. Long view, one of my favorites ever. How about that one? The three three letters. I'm gonna go with she. Yeah. I feel like it's the right song for our playlist. Makes you happy, and you know you're a dick when you don't get your way. So uh, there's a lot that I love about it, and I loved hearing it again. So yeah, this is it. Great choice, Bob. So check out the Spotify playlist. Uh, do a search. Throw what do we just throwback podcast? What on Spotify? Yeah. How do they find it? I think it's the official throwback podcast podcast playlist. Yeah, you'll find it if you put in those, or just follow us on Twitter at Throwback Pod. We always tweet it out. That works too. So do all that, and uh, again, uh, we need your help uh, in terms of getting the word out. And a good way to help us with that is to leave uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes. Uh, we will possibly read your review um, if you help us out with that. That's a big part of guys, uh, building us, a podcast. Yeah, give us five audience. stars. I need this, guys. My feet are still flat. I'm still a broken seat in a cafeteria full of teenagers. Fix the legs on Bob's chair. This is your chance, everybody. Uh, all right. Till next week, Dan Hansis uh, and Bob Kesher on the Throwback Podcast. That was a HeadGum Podcast.